0: Good morning, everyone. I'm Amy, and I have our scripture reading for this morning from Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. So feel free to turn there in your Bible or your smartphone. I'm going to read from the New English Translation. Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray while standing in synagogues and on street corners so that people can see them. Truly, I say to you, they have the reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. When you pray, do not babble repetitiously like the Gentiles, because they think that there are many words they will be heard. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So pray this way. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the word of God.
1: Well, congratulations, everyone here. You've made it to a new year, so happy new year, and also a new decade, depending on if you're someone who thinks a decade started now or next year, but we'll just, for all intents and purposes, uh, say we, we ended into a new decade here, so congratulations on that. And times like this, it's good to look back. And also look forward. Uh, Looking back, uh, Megan and I have lived in Clintonville now for almost a decade, and it's crazy to think it's been been that long. Longest we've ever lived in any particular place for that amount. Well, longest I've ever lived in any particular place. Megan grew up in West Palm all her life, and so she has that home. But this is the longest I've ever lived somewhere. And when you live somewhere for long enough, you learn some things about that neighborhood. Here's a few things we've learned about Clintonville, that if you've lived in or near Clintonville, you know this. You know that Clintonville is known for the Clintonville Discussion Forum. If you've had any chance to go on that, that uh, Facebook group, uh, you, you uh, will find it humorous and a little disturbing. Also, uh, we're known for, when it snows, having really bad streets to drive. I think this is just a Columbus City problem in general. Uh, Columbus is a big city, only so many trucks, narrow roads... So you're just sliding in the ice when you're driving in, in the winter in Clintonville. Also, we have a lot of rats and mice. I'm, I'm highlighting all the good stuff. There, there's good things, I promise. Uh, another thing, that uh, issue we have in Clintonville is power outages. Anytime there's a storm, the power goes out. Even sometimes when there's not a storm, the power will go out in Clintonville. And what do you do when the power goes out? You fumble and look throughout the home, all right, where is our flashlight? Certainly, we have a flashlight. You look for the flashlight because you need light. Or in our home, we have more candles than flashlights, and we never seem to have batteries in the flashlight, so we'll find candles. And I think I just like the idea of walking around with the torch. It just makes me feel, I don't know, cool or innovative. But Uh, you got to find the candles. You need to find that source of power. If the power goes out long enough, you need to go somewhere. You need to go to a place that has power to charge your phone, work, to do the things you need to do. you got to find that source of power when the power goes out. I think sometimes the power can go out in our soul. What do you do when the power goes out? Not just physically from a storm, but emotionally and spiritually in our lives. And we feel this. We feel the power going out. There was that one point when this job, this particular job, you applied for it. You sent in a resume. You interviewed. You talked to them about why they should give you this job. And then time goes by. The power goes out, not as excited, doesn't feel as purposeful as before. You had that relationship. At one point you said, I love you. You may have even made it official and gotten married and had a whole ceremony of people come and visit and be a part of this ceremony. At one time it was a relationship, there was power there was desire. And then it feels like the power just goes out your faith at one point god felt so close so important such a core desire of your life and church was fun and ministry was fun you'd be with friends and you were growing and learning and praying and doing the things and and then it just feels like the power goes out you flip the switch There's no desire there. Life. At one point, it it felt like you could get up, there was meaning, there was joy, there was purpose, and now it would just be better to stay in bed. What do you do when there's a power outage of the soul? You need to be connected to a source. We've been going through the Gospel of Matthew And in particular, we've been taking several weeks looking at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthews chapter 5 through 7. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is laying out a vision for life. He's laying out a vision for how to flourish, how to thrive, not just to survive, not just grind it out, but to flourish and thrive in life, how to have joy and purpose and happiness and meaning in life. He's laying out a vision for living a powerful life, a powerful life. And he begins in this vision for a powerful life, outlining values of his kingdom, values of a life that will flourish. And then he moves. He says, that you can't just have abstract values. He moves to how to relate to others. He lays out ethics of this kingdom. But now he gets to a transition point in the sermon. Now he gets to really where the whole sermon was building toward and where it will move to. And what Jesus says, if you want to have a powerful life, if you want to live a life of joy and purpose and power, you need prayer. You need prayer. Jesus says, if you want to have soul power, you've got to pray. And hear me, hear me right here. Jesus, what this means, what he's saying is this. You can have the values. You can have the right ethics. In other words, you can have the, the Jesus-ordained doctrinal statement. You can have the right ministry philosophy. If you don't have prayer, it doesn't matter. Because at the core of the kingdom of God, at the core of a life of power, is not just learning about God, doing things for God, it's experiencing God himself. And so these next seven weeks, we're going to look at this prayer, what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer, the King's Prayer. And we're going to ask this question, why pray? What is the true power of prayer? The power of prayer. And so I want to invite you, wherever you are in your journey, whether you're not a Christian and someone dragged you here, or you tried that at one point, or you're excited about your faith, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, will you join us these next several weeks as we consider pressing into the presence of God in prayer? And we begin looking at the power of prayer saying this, that prayer has the power to restore our humanity. Prayer has the power to restore our humanity. Jesus, again, in this Sermon on the Mount, he's laying out a vision for flourishing. He's laying out a vision of what it means to be a human being. Oftentimes, we forget that. What does it mean to be human in our culture that pushes superhuman behavior and living? And prayer allows us, it restores us, it gives us the power to be be a human being. And I want to outline a few ways how. Observations from our text this morning. First, prayer restores our humanity because prayer enables us to be a human being with limitations. It allows us, it frees us, it liberates us to live in light of our limitations. In our text, Jesus outlines two ways not to pray. (laughs) I love that. He's deconstructing a way Of praying to God before he constructs the right way. And notice the two, notice the similarities between these two ways to not pray. There's many similarities, but one I want to draw out for you. Look at verse 5. He says, Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray while standing in the synagogue and on the street corners, so that people can see what? Them. See them. Their prayer is about themselves. It's about being seen. And then look at the next one. He says, when you pray, do not babble repetitiously like the Gentiles because they think that by whose words? Their many words. By their many words, they will be heard. You see, both of these are about the person praying. Both are about the person praying. You know, prayer in and of itself is supposed to be a way of talking and communing with God, a way of giving thanks to God, a way of of sharing our doubts and struggles with God, a way of expressing our needs to God. But prayer is about us communing with God, not using God to platform ourselves and to twist Him to our will. Prayer acknowledges our need for God. You know, many of us struggle with trying to be God in all the ways we were never created to be God. There are different, people call them different attributes of God. Um, And forgive me if I can just use two kind of theological words. One is the communicable attributes of God. These are characteristics, qualities of God that we are meant to, we are created to embody ourselves like love and mercy, as we'll see later in in this uh, prayer, forgiveness. These are attributes that God has that we as human beings were created to emulate, but then there are incommunicable attributes of God. These are attributes of God that are reserved for God himself. And what I find is that often in my life, I want to be I want to be God in all the ways I was never intended to be, and in so doing, I don't (laughs) live a life of love and mercy and forgiveness and presence. And so what are some of these attributes that we try to be, ways we want to be God? Some of us, we want to be all present. We want to be all present. We want to be everywhere. And so we'll be at our child's soccer game. And replying on email to a work question, we want to be all present in our desire to be everywhere. We are nowhere. Some of us we want to be all knowing. Have all the answers. And in our day and age, the information age, its uh, access to information is everywhere. We fill our brain with so much knowledge and facts and information. Information and research shows. That we have less self-awareness. We have uh, less ability to think critically. So in all of our knowing things, we are actually becoming dumber. We want to be God. We want to know everything, and we, so we can't know anything. Many of us, we struggle with wanting to be all-powerful. Wanting to be all-powerful. Solve all the problems. We want to multitask. And so we're driving on the way to a meeting, simultaneously having a phone conversation with a client and eating lunch and checking the phone for GPS so we get there at the right time and worrying about what we're having for dinner. We're multitasking, always needing to be everywhere, do everything. You see, prayer, what it allows us to do is it allows us to be a human. It allows us to say, you know, there's God There's God. And because there's God, He can be where I cannot. He can do what I cannot. He can know what I cannot know. And I can rest in that truth. Prayer looks to God and knows and trusts. You know, He has a will. I have a will, but ultimately, I will trust His perspective, I want to be everywhere and do everything, but I will trust that He is God. I am not. I'm not here to fix all the world's problems. I can be present and make a difference in this one, but not them all. I can be present with people because I can trust that God will take care of the things that I'm not able to be at. Prayer allows us to be human being with limitations. Also, prayer has the power. It enables us to see God at work in the ordinary moments of life. In the ordinary moments. You know, again, looking at these two ways to not pray. First, there's this person who is praying in front of a crowd. For them, prayer is about the spectacle. It's about showing people that they're more godly than they are. They're bigger, smarter, more spiritual. And then, Look at the Gentile who, he says, don't babble like the Gentile. They want an impressive prayer for God. They want to enter the right code. They use the right terms, the long length. And God will be very impressed. And they will bend God's will to their own. And Jesus, in contrast to the person who prays publicly in this big spectacle, and the person who has this long, coded-out, Prayer. He, he offers a private and simple prayer. Very simple. Very simple. Look at things like our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Simple like, give us this day our daily bread. God, will you provide food today? Simple like, God, will will you extend forgiveness? Jesus offers a very simple prayer. And it's so fascinating, because look at how he puts it here. He says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus wants to simply see the power of God, of the heavenly God, come into the ordinary earth in which we reside. Prayer allows us to experience God in the ordinary moments. You know, there's one thing I know about all of us, and that is that we all will pray. Whether you believe in God or not, everyone prays. It is common to the human experience across religious, cultural, generational backgrounds, human beings call out to the divine. You know, all of us will at one point call out to God, and often it's in the big moments, the big moments uh, one, one big moment that leads us to call out to God is when something really great happens. Something special. Something significant. You were going to ask the girl out, and you thought about it, and you'd go and you'd see her, and then you'd uh, walk away, you know, wobbly, and you'd go back, and finally, you muster up the courage and power. you like, hey! What are you doing? Yeah. Wasn't as smooth as you practiced. And she knows. And she says yes. She, she said yes. And what do you, that feeling. You, it doesn't matter. You walk out, you're like, thank you. Universe. God. You just want to express this gratitude. Because in that moment, something you longed for happened. You, you can't keep it to yourself. You've got to thank somebody. This big moment of thanksgiving. Others of us will pray, will call out. In that moment of vulnerability, you're in a hard spot. The doctor comes into the room and he, he gives a diagnosis he gives words, terms you had not heard before, but now they will change the whole trajectory of your life. You, you come to the end of your power here, and you, you cry out, God, someone, who, who, who can help? You know, Mark Twain, a renowned skeptic, after the tragic death of his youngest daughter, he recounts, he says, those were awful nights Nights of despair, nights charged with bitterness and death. After each tragedy, I recognized the warning and repented, repented and begged, begged like a coward, begged like a dog. He says, I didn't believe in God. But in those moments of vulnerability when my daughter was in pain, I begged God. Some of us, we cry out in the big moment of anger. Some injustice, some wrong happens. We want to blame. Who's responsible for this? Who's responsible? We will call out to God in those big moments. We, We can't help but not do that. It's wired into our system to express gratitude in a big moment and, and to express a plea and cry for help when we, when we don't have the power and then to express hurt when power is used against us. We can't help but not. But Jesus is saying here, Jesus is saying God's power and his presence is accessible not just in the big moments, not just in the big moments, but in the ordinary everyday moments of life. We can give thanks. God, thank you for this meal. Thank you, God. God, I need help with this relationship. This forgiveness is hard. Can you help me, God? God, I'm angry about this situation. I I have questions, God. I have doubts, God. I have struggles, God. Help me Understand, Jesus is saying we can relate to God not just in the big moments, but in the everyday moments of life. How prayer restores our humanity. We're empowered to embrace our limitations. We can bring God into the ordinary moments. And lastly, prayers and prayer enables authentic and integrated living and enables to be our true self. Our true self. We need not project an image. Again, looking at our text, Jesus says, whenever you pray, do not pray like the hypocrites because they love to pray while standing in synagogues and on street corners so that people can see them. The Greek term here for hypocrite is the idea of an actor, someone in a theater who wears a mask and they're projecting an image that does not match an internal reality. A religious hypocrite wants to appear godly without being godly. And Jesus, in fact, the whole Sermon on the Mount is about integration. It's why repeatedly he said, you've heard that it was said, do not commit murder. But I say to you, if you're angry at your brother, he said, no, it's not just about the external action. It's the inside matching the the outside. It's integrated living. And prayer frees us and enables us to be authentic. Authentic. Now, a few things we need, I want to say about authenticity. You know, it's a buzzword today among young people. We want something that's authentic. And often we think authentic means only doing something that we want. As if Jesus is saying, look, don't pray to be seen by others. Only pray when you really feel like it. That's, that's not the point. You know, sometimes we need to do the right thing even if we want to or not. We have young children and If our children had their way, if they did what they felt like doing were their authentic selves, and they would play video games, which in our home is Sega Genesis right now. Praise the Lord, that's pretty sweet. They would play Sega Genesis. They would eat candy. They would watch Ninjago, this Lego show. They would never sleep. And so... Is it our responsibility as parents? You know, we want you to do what you want. This is what we're... No, our job as parents is to help them live a disciplined life, to grow up to be an adult who can do things even when they don't want to. Authentic living is not just praying and reading and relating to God when we want to. Authentic living is allowing the inside to match the outside. It's not living a life of pretense. It's not projecting this image around our church friends and other people that makes us look stronger and more spiritual, like we have all the answers and have it all together. It's actually, the the idea here is being able to share our vulnerabilities and weaknesses. We can live authentic selves. And this is so challenging because we live in a culture of image projection everywhere. It shapes us you know instagram when you take a picture and post on instagram not only do you have the ability to choose the perfect picture that you can find of yourself for that moment but you can, there's filters here are a few there's the normal filter it's just normal you don't want to use that one and then there's clarendon gingham moon which is just black and white lark juno slumber and Countless others, seriously, it keeps going. I, I stopped there because I didn't want to waste our time reading off all the Instagram filters. You can edit your photo, you, you can edit your photo, you can filter it, and then you can project it. Many of us, this is what we do. This is why the power goes out in our soul, because we live a life editing, filtering, projecting. And prayer allows us to relate to God, others and ourselves in a whole new way. It liberates us from this constant editing, filtering, and projecting. You know, uh, recently, our seven-year-old Bennett, he's, he's growing up, and, and it's weird. He's in the second grade, and I know those of you with, like, teenagers and adult children are just like, just wait, it's going to go by so fast. And it is. And the other day, I, was, I saw Bennett actually here at church, and he was hanging with a friend, and I walked up to him like, hey, Bennett, you know, like, dad's here. And he literally just kind of looked at me and looked the other way and kept going. And I felt so hurt. I'm like, oh, I thought this happens when they're teenagers. What? And I asked him, I like, Bennett, why, why didn't you talk to me? And, and he was honest. He said, I didn't want them to laugh at me. Like, I'm, what? I'm cool. Like, I, what? And, of course, what do I want to say to Bennett? There And what did I say? You know, this is a teaching moment. You know, Bennett, don't live your life just trying to avoid other people laughing at you. Don't, don't live your life just trying to be cool. You're, 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 you're special. It doesn't matter if they laugh or don't. You, you can be your, your authentic self. And then I thought, how many ways do I do that now? the ways I'm projecting. And here's how prayer frees us from that way of living. Jesus, it's so amazing. I love when I saw this. I'm just like, wow. Jesus, he says, don't don't put on a public spectacle. Go to the secret place. And don't give all the code, language, because God already knows what you need. Listen, if I were God, What would I want in the people praying? I'd want them to put on a public spectacle. Hey, I'm God, I'm important. Make everyone know. And I'd want them to have really tricky, long prayers in order to show and communicate to me how important I am. But God doesn't. It's the opposite. He says, I just want time with you. You don't need to impress me with your long words. I already know. We can take off the mask of pretending because God allows us to live in his powerful presence. Prayer frees us from performing and pretending and invites us to be secure in the Father's presence and power. Are you pretending? Is there a mask? Are you hiding? Are you trying to live outside of your limitations? Will you consider prayer? Let's pray. Father, thank you for being a God who hears, sees, knows. Father, for, Father forgive me, forgive us for the ways we're projecting images. It's, it's rooted in insecurity. Help us to be secure in you, your love. May we, may we commune with you in the secret place. May we bring our burdens, our doubts, our struggles, our questions. May we allow you to be God so that we can just be a human being, your child. Amen.